Our panellist tonight is past District 9520 Membership Chair Mark Huddleston, who's convened several membership seminars and has spoken to over 80 clubs on membership. Mark was instrumental in forming the newly chartered and very successful Rotary Club of Seaford, of which he is a charter member. It's now my very great pleasure to introduce our panellist, Mark Huddleston. Over to you, Mark. Uh, well, thanks very much, Caro. Uh, good evening or good afternoon, as it may be the case over there in WA. Uh, it's a pleasure to be asked to tell a bit of this story of the Rotary Club of Seaford. Uh, so just to give you a bit of background into what I've been up to, uh, I, uh, for three years, held the district membership chair role here, as Caro currently does over there. Uh, and I finished that three-year term on June 60 this year. So I've, uh, I've only been three or four months out of that role. Um, across that time, and even before I was a district membership chair, I actually spent a lot of time on this side of the microphone at seminars and presentations, talking at clubs, handing out the best ideas I could, I could uh, acquire on, on membership and best practice, uh, recruitment and promotion. Um, what I found, though, and I'm sure anyone else who's um, held a district leadership role before will hopefully agree with this, is that District leadership roles are very much about leading horses to water. And um, you can disseminate the best ideas, but in the overall scheme of things, you really can't make people drink. Um, and I think a lot of the ideas that I put forward and the conversations we had, they might have been taken by people back to clubs and then rejected at club level and things never got tried. So I was always concerned that um, a lot of the best initiatives and ideas that were shared uh, in membership conversations, never really got a chance to be fully implemented. And it often crossed my mind, you know, I wonder if one day, if, if we could start a new club, um, lose all the baggage of the past and, and just start it today as if Rotary was being invented today, implement all of these uh, best, practice, best practice ideas and promotional ideas uh, in a modern way of doing Rotary, how well that might happen. Well, the opportunity came to me a few years ago a few years ago to do exactly that. Just to give you a bit of a geography lesson, uh, you all know where Adelaide is. Um, and we'll just zoom in there a bit. Seaford is at the very um, southern point of the metropolitan area. Um, that's the Adelaide CBD up there. So it's probably a three quarter hour drive from Seaford to Adelaide. So we're, like I say, we're pretty much at the very bottom of the, um, of the metropolitan sprawl as Adelaide area goes south and a very, very rapidly growing area of Adelaide. It's actually, um, whilst Adelaide is currently divided by two Rotary districts, Seaford uh, is the fastest growing region in District 9520, um, and it's daylight seconds. So we've been very fortunate to set it up uh, in a region without any Rotary footprint, uh, but also a rapidly growing area. So um, that's something we really have in our favour. So I came up with this idea that I would start a new Rotary club uh, a number of years ago, and uh, I can assure you there are a few snickers around the place. Um, why would someone want to try and start a new Rotary Club in this current membership climate? Now, in our district, we have lost uh, 10 Rotary Clubs in just, a, excuse me, just over the last 10 years, uh, but I thought there was opportunity to try and do something a little bit different. Uh, then on the 26th of November last year, uh, the club was chartered uh, with 21 members. It was a very exciting night. Um, and we've just this last weekend celebrated our first birthday. That's our current president, Hannah, on the left with our district governor, Bob, cutting a, a beautiful birthday cake we've had made. And you see the figures up there that we've chartered with 21 members 12 months ago. Uh, we inducted a 28th member on Sunday night. So uh, we have actually had a net gain of seven over this year, um, which I think is really exciting. What I'm going to do tonight is share with you my top five success secrets for the club. And I want to point out that um, these secrets or ideas or initiatives weren't really anything that we drew up prior to try and get the club up and running. It's um, something I can sort of say, looking back over the time, what we have found to be successful. Some of these things, uh, in hindsight, I probably thought would have been successful, but some of these things um, that I'm about to talk about I perhaps hadn't fully considered and realised when we are trying to start the club would be as important. So let's just go through them quickly and then I'll go through them in more detail. Uh, number one, uh, our, our motto at the club is less meeting, more doing. And I'll talk a bit more about that. 
Flexible and productive meetings is the second secret. Uh, the third secret is a low cost base to members. Number four is aggressive promotion. And number five is effective partnerships. So I wanna spend a bit of time talking about each of these five uh, steps or secrets in a bit more detail. Let's start with the less meeting, more doing uh, concept. Now, one of the things I've been banging on about for a long time when I had the role of district membership chair was my concern that the organisation of Rotary had become way too meeting centric. And everything we did seemed to have meetings at the centre of the, like meetings were at the centre of the Rotary universe. And, and I felt very strongly that we need to have service at the centre of the Rotary universe and, and work everything around that. As such, um, this club, the Rotary Club of Seaford, has an extremely high, puts an extremely high value in hands-on service projects. I'm actually the club's uh, service projects chair, and I spend a lot of my time seeking out opportunities for members to participate in hands-on projects. And that's just a small smattering you can see on the screen there of things we've been up to over the last year or so. Uh, and we continue to have a lot of hands-on projects uh, that we can invite people along to. And I would suggest if the opportunity is there, rather than trying to get a guest or a visitor to come and see your Rotary Club functioning at a meeting, if the option is there, get them to come along to a service project or some hands-on activity. So they can see Rotary in action, they can see Rotary in a different light. Flexible and productive meetings. Now, we're very fortunate that we had those council on legislation changes uh, in 2016 that allowed clubs to, I guess, chart their own destiny a bit more with regard to how they met and how frequently they met. Um, we don't have any of those old rituals and trappings that you'll see in many Rotary clubs. They're all gone. What we often do um, is combine a meeting with a service project. So the way we meet, and I'll explain this a little bit later, we have two meetings a month. And we meet on different, at different times of the week. Our first meeting of the month is on the first Thursday night. And the second meeting of the month is on the third Sunday. Now that can be a breakfast, it can be a lunch, it can be an afternoon tea, it can be an evening um, meeting. And uh, this actual site that you can see the picture of there is a community garden that we've done some work to establish. And we've had a number of meetings where, or, or events where we go along, we do a working meeting for a few hours uh, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, then we just pull out tables, chairs, order pizzas, and we have a very casual meeting. And that's how we do a lot of our meetings. Um, it's very productive. It's not just sitting around a table eating a schnitzel. Here are some of the things we don't do because we don't find that these are necessary in our meetings. So firstly, we don't meet, we don't meet weekly. There's no compulsory meal. There's no sergeant or fine session, no toasts, no raffles, no songs, no grace or any religious observances. No money box getting passed around. We're very keen that the money we raise comes from our community and not from our members. Uh, there's no presidential collar or bling or flags or bells anywhere. We don't have a head table. We will just sit together. We don't have a club bulletin. Now, I will just speak to that shortly uh, when I get onto another screen as to what we do in, in place of a club bulletin. And here's probably one of the main differences between us and most Rotary Clubs. We do not have guest speakers, and I put there in brackets for the sake of having guest speakers. Um, the exception to that rule is um, we may get someone in um, from a district committee, for example, or from another club who has some expertise in a certain project or a certain event that we're interested in. So basically, we will only get guest speakers in if they are directly of value to something we're planning to do at the club. We don't have guest speakers just there for entertainment value to sort of fill in 20 minutes. Uh, the other um, exception to the rule is, of course, if we've sponsored someone to go on a youth uh, program, right, right, and that sort of thing, um, we, we will always get them to come back and talk about their experience. So that's, that's an exception to the rule. What do we do at meetings? Um, we basically do a lot of blue sky thinking. We sit around and talk about what's coming up, what's happened. We go around the table, the... Um, uh, the directors and president all give a, a bit of a talk about what's going on. They ask for help. You know, we've got this on the weekend. Who can come and help this sort of thing? So if you think about your uh, traditional club committee meetings and maybe sort of the occasional club assembly, our regular meetings are a bit of a version of that where we just chat about what's coming up. 
So anyone who's coming along as a visitor immediately gets involved in the process of what we're doing rather than coming to see a guest speaker who may actually have nothing to do with Rotary whatsoever. Uh, the low cost base to members is something very important to us. Um, and I, I guess um, I don't really need to point this out to a lot of people because as being Rotarians, you'd all know this, but obviously most club meeting venues have unavoidable meeting costs. Um, a meal, and by the time you add drinks, raffles, fines, all those things, it can either easily add up to $30 or so a week. That can easily add up to $1,500 or so per year. And something that I found really um, ironic, I guess, over my time as a district membership chair was a lot of conversations had by club leaders that, um, you know, we really need to do something about our subs. Our members can't afford their subs. They're too much. Um, and, and I always found that really, really interesting because by far the biggest cost a year of being a Rotarian in a traditional club is that meal cost that people pay every week. Um, and it surprises me that clubs aren't doing more to look at those costs. Um, we don't have those costs at all. I'll explain shortly what we do. And as a result, no one complains about subs because we're not paying $1,500 or more per year in, in meals and, and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, you know, if there's, if there's a husband or wife or partners coming along, well, they're paying double that a year. It's very, very expensive, excuse me. What do we do at the Rotary Club of Seaford? Well, firstly, we're only meeting twice a month. So even if we were meeting in a traditional sense in a pub or a you know, restaurant or something, um, we, we'd only be paying half of what most Rotarians are paying. So we only meet twice a month. Our venues rotate. We don't ever have two meetings in the same venue in a row. Um, and what we do is um, we don't meet in venues where meals are mandatory. So uh, one meeting we may have, uh, for example, uh, in the Seaford Library, um, there's a, a lovely board meet, a boardroom out the back where we're allowed to use that whenever we want. And we might meet there and, and members just bring a, a plate to share. There's a local soccer club that lets us meet there for free. They don't have catering there, but they have a bar. So obviously we can go to a bar and get drinks. Uh, we just order pizzas in or, or get hot chickens or something like that. So it's when you spread that cost over the members, it might be seven or eight dollars a head or something plus a drink. And people don't have to eat if they don't want to. Um, so our meals are either optional, inexpensive, or uh, members bring a plate to share. The other thing we do every now and then, we just have a meeting at a member's home. So we just you know bring our own meat to have a barbecue or something like that. So um, this is the type of things you do when you are not obsessed with meetings, when you are more focused on service and getting things done, and you're not so fussed about how the meetings go. Uh, these are the sorts of things you can quite easily do. Let's move on to number four, aggressive promotions. This is something that's really important to me. Uh, and I think uh, a hallmark of the success we've had in our club. Um, just firstly, uh, we've got a very uh, user-friendly outward-facing website um, that is designed for the public. It's not designed for Rotarians. It's uh, as you click through the pages. Um, it, it's all about simple information for Rotary. There's some diary dates on the front there. Um, those images, if it were live, up the top there sort of flash around and change the different pictures. Um, and over on the right there, there's a members info button. So that, that's where we put things that, you know, members want to do, uh, download minutes and stuff like that. And, um, uh, links to other Rotary resources, that sort of stuff. Uh, I'll just show you these club uniforms we've got. Um, and you can see there's a consistent pattern on the website with that sort of wave up there. So we have a lot of consistency in our branding and promotion. We are super aggressive on Facebook. Um, our club Facebook page has over 834 likes. I only checked that uh, just before starting. That's 350 ahead of any other club in the district, and it's more than our district page. So I don't know how that compares with some of your own clubs, but we are very, very aggressive on Facebook. Almost every member of that club has a Facebook account. Um, we post easily four or five times a week, often more, um, and that gets us a lot of coverage out there. Uh, now, I mentioned before that we don't do club broadens. Um, we have a secret Facebook group um, which is for intra-club communication. So um, bearing in mind, we do have a couple of members that aren't on Facebook and we're, we're cautious to make sure we include them by sending them emails, that sort of thing. There's a lot of communication and decision-making goes on uh, on this secret Facebook group, but obviously um, only the members of the club uh, and our assistant governor can see what goes on on that page. So 
some people will think, oh, how do you communicate? How do you convey what's going on in the club if you're only meeting twice a month? Uh, how do you get that information across? Well, we use Facebook to do a lot of that communication. It works really, really well. We've had professional uh, brochures design and handed out. They go to all our barbecues. They do letterbox drops with them. Um, we, we get that information out there very prominently. When we were first starting the club, uh, we had some posters made up. Yes, you can be a Rotarian. We had these put up in notice boards and shops and things everywhere, but um, any club can do this sort of stuff and, and, and get the message out there. Um, this is just an example of a little flyer that a local community centre produces, and we sponsor that. That's our ad up there. Now, this costs us $100 um, to go to a circulation of 11,000 in the area, and that's for two, for two issues. So it happens quarterly. So basically $200 a year for four uh, distributions. Um, every time that's gone out, we have picked up a member from it. So not just, not just a lead, but a member. So uh, we're continuing on with this. We think it's very cost-effective and been very successful for us. And a lot of it is about the wording. Um, you know, one of the one of the words, one of the the texts on there that a, a new member said really caught him in, got him into the club was where it says, "Our club is flexible, friendly, and informal, and maybe quite different to what you think you know about Rotary." Our focus on volunteering, not meeting. So that's been very successful for us. We've got all the pull-up banners and banners and things, and we we, we keep them. Uh, um, we, we, they're always prominent when we have meetings and events, that sort of thing. Uh, another thing we've got is just this little A-frame sign, which we always erect uh, where whatever we're doing, whether it's a barbecue or some service project, and uh, it's got a different message on the other side there. Uh, again, this is our work in a community garden that we've been working on. So that sign goes wherever there's any activity um, and, uh, and, and talks about you know, what we stand for. Um, Earlier this year, we had a brand new, lovely marquee, six metres by three. That's very prominent. You can see that from a long, long way away. It's, um, it's, it's really uh, important, I think, to invest in good quality promotional material. I'll just tell you a very quick story. Um, this, again, is the community garden that we've done some work in. Um, we asked the organisers, you know, what's, this is in conjunction with a local school, which is on the other side of that fence. What's something you could really do within this garden? Well, they, they needed a water source. So... We decided to install a rainwater tank. We thought, oh, that's really good. Um, uh, that's really good real estate. That rainwater tank. We can't leave it like that. Let's put something on it. So we had this butte sign made up um, about clean, fresh water being something that's a real priority for Rotary. So we. This is what I mean by being really aggressive with our marketing. We we do spend a bit of money on it, but we really want to get our message out. It's really important when you're a new club in a new region that hasn't doesn't have that Rotary footprint to do it now. Where that, you can't see it from this image, but where that rainwater tank and sign is, is only about 15 minutes, sorry, 15 metres from the school kiss and drop. So every morning, 500 parents dropping off kids uh, within 15 metres of that sign and the same in the afternoon. So we get some really good exposure from that. Now, I just want to wind up with a bit of a talk on effective partnerships. This is something very important to us as well. Uh, and perhaps some of these logos are a little bit out of date. There's probably some new organisations we work with, but... We find it really critical to work alongside of uh, businesses, uh, charities, uh, government and non-government organisations, local council, that sort of thing. And uh, it's really been worthwhile for us. And I just want to give you a few examples of some of the things we've done. Uh, the Southern Stars Netball Club, a lady on the right, you might have recognised her from that image before, is our current president, Hannah. She is one of the coaching directors at this netball club. The lady on the left is Denise, who is our youth programs director. Uh, they came up with this idea of sponsoring a, um, uh, a best uh, team person sort of award. So this is an award for the most goals shot or the, the best on-field player. This is an award for the person who helps out most around the club, the person who uh, you know, helps with the coaches and helps with some of the admin and cleaning up and... It's, we see it as a bit like a service above self award for a netballer. Um, didn't cost us anything but a couple of certificates. Um, we worked again with partnership with a local sporting goods retailer and they gave us some goods and a voucher to give out to these girls. Importantly though, we got to present these at their presentation night and there were 400 young netballers there and their parents and their coaches and their siblings um, and administrators of the club that Denise got to talk about Rotary Youth Programs too. So um, that's a fabulous partnership to have. And it costs us virtually nothing 
uh, to do that, uh, but a bit of time and effort. And uh, the, the girl on the left there attended um, RIPEN earlier this year. So we, we've got an instant group of uh, people who can go to our youth programs. Uh, another partnership I want to talk about, a small local charity called Breakfast Bellies. They're in the food security sector and they provide um, uh, school breakfast um, programs to some of the local schools and also emergency hampers to families in need. And at Christmas time, they, they do a big thing. They hand out hampers. We donated some of those Rotary Foundation puddings. Uh, that photo was at our charter night, actually. So it's really good to be working with uh, breakfast bellies. And, you know, those puddings, they just look sensational. A Rotary wheel on them. These families are getting those and knowing, hey, you know, Rotary's uh, working in your community. Uh, Moana, Seaford and Moana Business and Tourism Association. We partner with those to have regular business breakfasts and we have picked up two members from those as well. Um, and our local council, which is the city of Onkapringle, we've got some really good contacts there who uh, give us the heads up whenever there's big functions. So we actually uh, get to work at a lot of youth events. So not only is that good for the fundraising, but it's just great to have uh, Rotary in front of families and, and younger people. We can again talk about uh, Rotary youth programs and uh, that's really exciting as well. So I'm going to wind it up there, uh, not over time as it is, um, but just a few key points. And, and I, I give this talk, talk about CEFA to a lot of clubs, and I think a lot of them think that it's all too hard, uh, the way we're doing this. But if you just break it down into a few smaller steps, and I ask, is it possible that your club can meet less and do more? Is it possible that you can replace occasional meetings with hands-on work? Is it possible you can reduce the cost burden on your members? Is it possible you can lose some of those meeting rituals? Is it possible you can put more effort into club promotion? And is it possible you can build more meaningful partnerships? Well, I think all those things are possible. You don't have to completely turn your club into a new version of Seaford, but you can try all those things. Or is it all a bit too hard? Um, and the final slide I'll leave you with is, is my favourite all-time slide, which I think very beautifully uh, uh, represents Rotary's challenges at the moment. Um, where the guy on the left is supposed to be the Rotarian, he's saying, you're going to have to change to fit into the system. And, and the dudes on the outside, well, they just want to know why the system can't change so they can all fit. At the Rotary Club of Seaford, we have changed the system and more people are fitting. So I'll wind it up there, Kerry. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Thank you, Mark. Just looking, at, looking for questions here. Please feel free to put them in the question box. We do have a few that have come in, uh, come in on the text channel. Mark, the question here is, um, paraphrase, uh, your PR budget. How much do you spend on PR in, a, in a, say, a, 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 in average year? Um, I've got to be honest, we don't actually have a set PR budget over the year. When, I guess a traditional club, uh, has had potentially 10, 20, 30, 40 years to build up their um, promotional inventory. Uh, when you're a new club, you really need to hit the ground running um, and spend some coin and get some of this stuff out there. You know, we haven't got another 30 years to wait to be able to uh, do some of these things. We really need to hit it out there. Um, now, I know some people don't agree with this, but I'm just going to say it straight out. We don't have any problem in spending... Uh, and I've said this at district level before as well, so not just our club, uh, a responsible amount of community funds we raise on promotion. And that has been something traditionally frowned upon in some Rotary circles. But I would simply give the example of any charity that you see advertising on TV or billboards or radio, they all spend part of the money they get from the public on the community on outgoings, uh, on, on promotion. That's what they have to do to get more people interested. And we don't have a problem with doing that as well. So we don't have an ideological problem with spending responsibly some money uh, that we get from the community. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. A uh, question, a couple of, a couple of, our, uh, of, uh, of our audience would like to get uh, copies of your presentation. Uh, certainly, I'm more than happy to email you uh, the PowerPoint, uh, Caro, and you can share that wherever you like. No problem at all. Fantastic. Thank you, Mark. Um, I, I think it's great to, to, be, to be able to, uh, to pass your message on.
because um, it's because it's a very very powerful message. Uh, Mark has a question here. Um, how do we change attitudes as many, and I'll, and I'll read it out, as many are self-over-service? How to change attitudes as many are self-over-service? I, I, look, I, I couldn't agree more, and I've been actually pushing that barrow quite a bit for, you know, for a while, that a lot of the things that are holding us back are people who are actually more concerned with comfort and maintaining the status quo uh, than putting the club and the community first. And that, that is entirely about... Uh, service above self or, or vice versa. Um, and and to be honest, I, I don't... Uh, now, this is not an issue I have in my current club, of course, but um, it, it's... The, the language I have suggested people use when they go back to their clubs with these ideas and they, and they find that uh, a lot of ideas are, are stymied um, because, you know, this is the way we've always done it and blah, blah, blah. Uh, just ask the question, you know, is that mindset about self or is it about service? Just ask the question. And, and I, I think you'll find when you throw that to someone, they have a bit of a double take and, and actually have a bit of a think about it. Um, and I mean, we could talk about the need for change all night. I know you haven't got all night, but what it, what it keeps coming back to for me is that if the, if the organisation is still going to be thriving in 20 or 30 years' time, it's, it's, it's obvious to me that the organisation that we have in 30 years' time is going to be very different to the organisation we have now. But we can't wait that 30 years to change. We need to start changing things now or we won't be here in 30 years. So, you know, that cliff, cliff face that we often hear about is, is most certainly coming. Uh, and again, it's, it's not about changing a whole club 180 degrees in one hit. Uh, it's about just trying some of these little things uh, and giving it a go. I guess that first step sometimes is the one that's, uh, that's a little difficult. Um, so here's a question. Um, how do you fundraise? Um, believe it or not, the ubiquitous sausage sizzle <laughs> is is quite uh, high on our list. Um, uh, we we have um, look more funds than any, more funds. Sorry, come through sausage sizzles than anything else. Um, uh, interestingly, um, there's a brand new Bunnings that opened in Seaford at about the same time our club opened. And we've partnered with them uh, in a lot of things. It's, it's, the relationship we have with Bunnings is about so much more than sausage sizzles. They are really helpful to us. They, they help us out with projects. For example, that rainwater tank I showed you a picture of before, they donated that. So that was, you know, 570 bucks we didn't have to spend on a tank. It goes a bit more money to spend on the sign. Um, so Bunnings are, that's a part, we don't see that as sausage sizzles only. We see it as a partnership. So we do raise a lot of money through that. Um, we, we get a lot of, those catering sort of events uh, for council events. And I think it's really important that we don't just look at these events solely as a fundraiser, but as an opportunity for exposure. So we've got to make sure we've got the people there in the uniforms and the hats and the, uh, you know, have the good flyers and people knowing um, whether you call it the elevator speech or, you know, the right way to talk to prospective members. Um, we have just done uh, some uh, wine bottling, which, um, uh, was quite successful for us. We raised about 1600 bucks from that. And that was uh, a member who actually came to us from another club and she did that at her other club and she offered that for us. And we've been selling those Rotary Foundation puddings and cakes and things. So we do have a few other ways to fundraise, but um, without doubt at this stage, the, uh, the old sausage sizzle is number one on the list. Sausage sizzle will certainly come in handy. Yeah. Looking at a, diff at a different aspect of the club, um, Obviously, the, the, the uh, issue of age um, is one that does occupy the minds of many in Rotary. So what's your age profile? Okay. And yeah. how many of your members have previously been Rotarians with other clubs? Sure. Um, the average age is 49. We have um, members in every age band. Uh, we've got members in their 20s, 30s, 40s, more members in their 40s than any other group, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So it is truly a multi-generational club. Um, we're two-thirds women, um, and I don't have a problem with that at all. They are amazing workers. They are amazing networkers. Uh, they're a fabulous asset to our club. Um, and, and, you know, probably quite a different culture to what you often will see in Rotary. Um, what was the other question you asked about... 
past criteria with other clubs. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, when we first started the club, uh, that started with six um, Rotarians. Three were existing Rotarians that transferred in from other clubs. I was one of them. Uh, however, and this is um, something I wasn't really expecting, but was really exciting. Um, we also had three former Rotarians who had been out of Rotary for quite some time, and I dare say had given up on Rotary. They were, you know, their Rotary days were behind them. But when we when we started doing our promotional campaign to, to you know, do the initial, um, you know, interest meetings and that sort of stuff to get the club going, uh, those little ads that I showed you before that we sent out with the, the flyers, when you see one of those Rotary, if you've if you're been a Rotarian 30, 40 years ago even, once you see that Rotary wheel, you obviously know what it stands for. Um, so we were able to get some people interested early on. And because they saw the model that we were operating, they were more than happy to give it a go because uh, they could see how different it was from the old Rotary that they'd come from. Um, since then, we have got another Rotarian who's coming from another club. So we have seven former members and they all bring us um, uh, an amazing, an amazing wealth of, of Rotary knowledge. So that's, that's really great. Just the other thing, quickly on demographics you didn't ask the question but i think this is really worth uh, touching on if you look down the traditional rotary sort of classification checklist um you won't find a lot of the classifications uh necessarily as what we have in our club we have probably well over half maybe uh, three-fifths of our membership base are from what i would loosely call the social services sector they are teachers they are nurses, they are carers, they are welfare, uh, like social workers, um, uh, advocates, people who in their daily life are helpers and carers. Um, these are people that bring something really special to Rotary, but we often, when we do our recruiting, don't see these people because they're not in the shop fronts along the main street. These are people sort of hidden in the back rooms somewhere or, or out of public view. And these people, it was not a deliberate thing, it's just that we've, we've attracted them. These people are very well connected and because they, they are naturally caring people, they just bring such a quality to Rotary um, because they're dealing with society's sort of challenges in their day-to-day -day lives and they're just so well connected with what's going on in society. So that's been something really unique for us as well. How do you manage, and this, this, yeah, this is one I'm interested in, how do you manage the tall poppy syndrome where you, where you're, you sit alongside uh, other clubs that uh, may not have, uh, uh, that may for a variety of reasons not be going quite so well? How do you manage that? Um, interesting. That's a really interesting question. Um, because when I was the district membership chair, it was my problem. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I, you know, some clubs in particular, there, there are a couple of neighbouring clubs very close uh, geographically to, to the Seaford area that are in real strife. Um, and they, you know, had a bit of a bee in a bonnet that we were doing this um, because, you know, we're apparently eating into their territory and all this sort of thing and uh, attracting the people that they weren't able to attract, but that's another story. Um, We've just worked as closely with them as we can. Um, we have a few rules in place that we don't promote ourselves outside of a certain sort of geographic boundary. I mean, Rotary Clubs don't really have those boundaries anymore, but, but, but we don't want to be trying to take members away from them. Um, so we don't do anything to promote ourselves there. We're very careful if we get offered jobs, uh, projects sort of in another club sort of patch. Um, just because there were a few tensions when we started up. I know most Rotary Clubs don't have to worry about that, but we always, if someone comes to us for help from another area, we will always say, you should first go to so-and-so club and just give them the option first. If they don't want to do it, well, we'll do it. Um, I think you've just got to set the best example you can. And if they want to continue down a path of, uh, now I've, I've, I've used this term before and some people like it, some people don't, but you know, I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, if they want to continue down the path of, uh, toasting, praying, finding and singing their way to oblivion, well, they can just do it. Um, 
if that's if that's if they're not going to change the way they do things, um, we're just going to keep doing the way things the way we do things and trying to keep innovating um, and work with them as best we can. Okay, thanks, thanks, Mark. Uh, corporate memberships. Does you're you're in a, what I understand to be a a suburban area, yes, uh, but mainly residential. Do yep. you have corporate corporate memberships? Uh, we don't. Um, it's it's certainly. Um, I mean, I know how it works, and I've seen a few models where it works quite well. Um, I guess um, should the opportunity uh, present itself, we would be happy to do that. Um, we've actually got one member in particular. Uh, his name's Ian. He is one of those former Rotarians that have been out of Rotary for many, many years. Uh, that came back in because we started the club. And he's, he, he's actually the oldest member of the club, he's 74, but he is a marketing guru. His background is all in marketing and he can talk the paint off a wall. He would, he's one of these guys that can go into a business and start talking about Rotary and we're not all good at that, but he is really good at it. He's really good at going and asking for sponsorship, that sort of thing. He just loves it. And he, he's very keen to look at corporate options and he is definitely the right person for us to do that. Um, and it, it's something we may explore, um, but at this stage, we're not having any trouble um, sort of attracting people into the club. Now, I was having, Carol uh, will remember, I had a brief conversation about this before uh, the webinar officially started. We haven't actually had to do any serious recruiting since we started the club. We've found that we've just been able to attract people in. So whilst we certainly do want to grow the club, we're not going gangbusters out there trying to find people. We're finding that people are trying to find us because we're exposing the club and we're promoting ourselves so heavily. And people are seeing, because we're so active in the community, people are seeing us in action. And we've actually picked up a lot of members by actually being prominent and doing some, you know, working bee or barbecue somewhere. And people come up and ask a question and they just want to join. So we're, that's a roundabout way of answering the question. We're not seriously looking at corporate membership, but it is, it's something that we, you know, it, it may cross our path. Well, thank you, Mark. A, a question from Mark. Just had three, three more questions arrived, so uh, this is going very well. A uh, question from Mark. How much do you give to the Rotary Foundation and how do you raise funds for this? Um, we gave our first US $1,000 um, uh, sort of May, um, and we uh, present that first Paul Harris Fellow at our changeover, which was exciting for the club. Um, we haven't, other than one specific event, which I'll tell you about, we haven't deliberately fundraised for the Rotary Foundation, but uh, I am keen that we at least make a contribution each year. Um, an event here in uh, our district uh, called the Polio Ute Relay, um, where there's this big ute that has polio and rotary sort of plastered over the side of it and goes all around the district, visits every club, and every club has an opportunity, an opportunity to have an event, a fundraiser. We hosted the polio utes. Uh, if, um, if you go on our Facebook page, you can, you can go and find pictures of what we did. Uh, got all the polio shirts, and we, ha we had a, a massive day at Bunnings uh, where they were great. They allowed us to put the ute right out the front, put all our banners up, go around shaking cans, and we raised about 1,300 bucks uh, polio at that event. So, uh, yeah, I class that as Rotary Foundation because it is going into the polio fund. Um, so whilst, you know, we're not flushed with funds, but um, uh, we're not going to be one of these clubs that raises all these tens of thousands of dollars and sits it in a, in a bank to sort of, uh, you know, for a rainy day. The money that comes in sort of goes out uh, fairly quickly. So um, we don't stockpile money, but um, it would always be a priority for for me at least, that we make sure that we get a thousand or two thousand dollars to the foundation each year. Right, thanks, Mark. Um, a question about club governance from Terry. Does the club have a board of directors and does it use the committee system? Um, yes, we do have a board of directors. And no, we don't strictly have a committee system. Um, the board of our club is 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 pretty much uh, would look like same as the board of almost any other club. We do have one uh, position, which is uh, probably a bit new. And I did mention the word partnerships before. 
and we have a partnerships director, and that's the guy Ian, who's the marketing guru I spoke to before. He just spends so much time, and he's happy to do it, going out talking to businesses um, about how we can work together, not just businesses, but you know other NGOs, that sort of thing. So he works on all our partnerships, and he's just you know he was born to do that job. Um, so that's an interesting sort of position that we have that probably you might not have heard of. Now, just getting back to the whole committee thing. Um, it's interesting how it's evolved. I was, you know, as the instigator of the club, I was keen to leave behind a lot of rotary traditions, uh, but also, you know, not throw the baby out of the bathwater and keep some of the important things as far as structure and governance uh, and let it sort of evolve how the members wanted it to. What we do with our committees, um, it's more of, a, of an ad hoc sort of thing. Um, for example, someone comes up with an idea, they want to do a project, and they'll say, you know, who's interested, who's going to help me with this? And, you know, four or five hands will go up. So they'll form a special committee just for that project, and after that project, it may disband. Now, they may do that function again or event or whatever it is the following year and, and call for a new committee again. So, uh, you know, our, our, we don't actually have a youth committee, but our youth chair um, just has a few members in the club that really are passionate about youth stuff, and they help her out every now and then. Um, it's 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 a bit um, it's a bit chaotic to be honest. Um, it would certainly be seen that way uh, from a traditional Rotary standpoint, but it seems to work. We do work very hard at trying to make sure that no one's left behind and no one hasn't got anything to do. Um, but be, I would suggest we have far more hands-on activities than the average club. And at those hands-on activities and when you're throwing the fundraising barbies, that sort of thing, there is a very good rotation of all the members doing stuff. So even though they're not sitting on a specific committee, they are contributing in, a, in an important way, in other ways. So that is something we perhaps need to review. Um, but you know, what we're doing at the moment seems to be working okay. Oh, thanks, Mark. Just, I, I do have uh, another question here, but just before I do ask this one, if I could issue a final call for questions from the, the audience, please, um, because we have been going for three quarters of an hour now, and that was the, uh, uh, the time we indicated we might take. But uh, back to Michael's question, and this is an interesting one too. What is your target number of members? Good question. Um... I, I have a figure in my head that I think 40 is a fairly healthy cop. Um, and, I, and I think I always have. Um, I don't know where that figure comes from. Um, but with 28 at the moment, we are... Um, it's a bit hard to explain. I, I really think the sky's the limit. Um, and we can, just, we can just keep doing new stuff... Um, it's something really special that's a bit hard to hard to explain, um, and I think it's I think it's more about I've always thought it's a bit more about quality than quantity, to be honest. And you know, in a club of ten members, if they're all giving hundred percent, that's probably more effective than a club of twenty where half of them don't turn up or anything sort of thing. So, but we are the biggest club around, you know, for a long, long way around us. Um, I think we can certainly get to 40. I don't have any doubts about that. I mean, if we really did try to recruit, we probably could bring more people in. Uh, but I don't think we need to grow too quickly, you know, too big too quickly either. We've got to bring people in in stages, not in big, you know, in like 10 at a time sort of thing. It might overwhelm things. You've got to remember, with a traditional club, when you bring people in, a good percentage of the club has a fairly sound, generally has a fairly sound rotary sort of background. So you're bringing people into a reasonably uh, good average of, of rotary intelligence, for want of a better term. When you've got a new club, when you've got four or five people who know rotary fairly well and another 25 who don't, you do have to be cautious about uh, bringing a lot of people in and trying to convey that knowledge and build up that rotary knowledge base. So we've just got to be a little bit careful about, um, you're not putting a cap on it, but not wanting to grow too big too quickly. Mm, understandable. There's mm. um, a follow-up question. What's the figure in your head? That was 40, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, a question from Mark. Well, another couple of questions have, have, uh, have come in here, uh, Mark. So uh, 
Uh, you may not get away for a little while yet. Might oh, I'm, I'm happy to, believe me, I could talk all night. Excellent. <laughs> you might not want to listen all night. Don't we, don't we know that? Don't we know that? Um, here we go. A, a question from another Mark. Is the club interested in a community event for Adelaide? Perth Ramble is keen on sharing its IP for other clubs to run a Ramble event. Um, just send us the details. Um, and I'll, you know, we'll, we'll have a look at it. Um, we've just, one thing we just need to be aware of is that we're actually, um, when you're talking about Adelaide, people are probably thinking of CBD, which is actually quite some way from where we are. We're a long way down south. Um, uh, and uh, we've got to be careful. We're not trying to run things that are right in the middle of Adelaide when we're a community sort of 45 minutes south of Adelaide. But depending on what it is, if we can work with other clubs, there may be something. So I'm, I'm certainly open to suggestion. And, you know, Caro's got my contact details. So... If anyone wants to send me some information, I'm happy to share it around the club and see what comes with. Fine. Thanks, Mark. Uh, looks like we might have our last question here, but uh, there could be more on the way. How many hours do you think you spend doing stuff compared to hours spent in planning slash governance meetings? That's the question from Paul. That's a really good question, Paul. And um, I'll, just, I'll just share with you a bit of a... Um, uh, a bit of a, a concept that I have, or something I've been talking about in Rotary Conversations when I was membership chair for quite a time. Um, I, I believe, I've actually got a whole presentation on this, but not at the moment. I actually believe um, the most important resource a Rotary Club has is the time that their members are prepared to commit. Some people put in a lot of time, some people don't put a lot. Um, you know, you've got, all got those members that are the first ones to turn up and the last ones to leave. But however generous your members are with their time, that is a finite resource. We need to understand that. So I think it is incumbent upon Rotary Clubs, particularly when we're trying to get new people in that are very busy. I think it's incumbent upon us that we respect that time and use it as effectively and productively as we possibly can. Um, so to answer your question... Um, we, uh, and you, I mentioned before, our meetings are not about entertainment. They're not there to hear a guest speaker, unless, of course, they're, as I mentioned, they are there to directly help the club with something. Our meetings are productive. We're either talking about events coming up or planning things or getting new ideas, uh, brainstorming, or we're, we're combining a meeting with a project. So we are very keen not to be spending our valuable time of our volunteers uh, sitting around... Um, chicken schnitzels at meetings. Uh, yes, of course, there's a fellowship and camaraderie um, uh, element of that, which is important. I don't doubt that at all. And, and I'm not, I've never said meetings are unimportant. We, we do need to have it, but we need to be productive with them. And if I was asked, you know, I, I've come from a traditional club where I spent 19 of my 20 years, which meant every week at the same place and ate the same food and listened to you know, pretty much the same speakers. If someone asked me, did I enjoy my time in that club? I'd say absolutely yes. If someone asked me, did I enjoy most of the speakers, the camaraderie, the friendship, the conversation? Absolutely yes, no doubt. But here's the clicker, and this is what people have to understand. If someone asked me, was that the most productive use of my volunteer hours? Well, I'm sorry, I can't say yes. So ask that question of yourselves and ask that question of your members in your meetings and see what response you get. And I think you'll suddenly realise that we are spending too much of our volunteer hours sitting around in meetings and doing admin stuff when we need to be out there doing volunteering and getting stuff done and effect you're making a direct contribution to the community. So that's a very long answer to a very short question, but it is minimal is the answer. It's, it's very small hours of mind power and admin compared to actually the, the doing stuff. I think you explained it pretty well, though, Mark. Yeah, good. It does look as though... That's okay. That's okay. It does look as though the uh, uh, the, the uh, question, Paul, has been uh, drained for the moment. So, might at this stage... Uh, oh, hang on. Hang on. We have another one. What would be your annual service hours? I guess that's a, that's a total for the club. Uh, that's a bit sort of how long is a piece of string... Uh, look, I, I honestly don't know. Um, 
if I was a good Rotarian and filling out all those um, things on Rotary Club Central, I should just be able to spit that out. But um, um, I can guarantee I can guarantee it's proportionally much higher than the average club. Um, oh, gee whiz! It'd have to be it. Ha- you know, if you just do the man hours sort of thing, it'd have to be twenty hours a week. It'd have to be. Have to be a thousand hours a year, I guess. That's just right off the top of my head. I, I could actually study that, but it would be lots. It would be a hell of a lot. Certainly, for a club of twenty-eight, the uh, the projects list that uh, that you share and that Ian, that Ian shares regularly is uh, is lengthy and and varied. So uh, it would it would add up to a lot, I would think. The, yeah, and we love it. And you know what? Another thing I'll just say is that I have many times in my past rotary life been mentally exhausted by Rotary. And I'm sure Caro, as a distribution holder, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I find myself with Seaford more physically exhausted. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm not in the best condition. Um, but I've done, I have, without, now, without a shadow of a doubt, I've done more hands-on work in the last one year at Seaford than in all of my 19 years in my former club. And I, now I say that without a shadow of a doubt. We do not stop, and there's a lot of hard yakka, but we love it. Well, I just make the observation that if we had, if we had most of our members talking about their rotary the way you the way you spoke about yours a moment ago, um, we wouldn't need any elaborate recruitment methodology. We would have people knocking on the door. Um, That's the plan, Caro. That's the plan. And I think it's working well at Seaford. So it does look, and I was, and I've got, to, I suppose I better say this quickly before another question bobs up. It does look as though that uh, there are no further questions. So I'll, uh, I'll call an end to the uh, the webinar session. Uh, Kira, just before we do, if anyone does have a question at any time, you can forward it to me, and I'll and I'll help you out. With that. No trouble whatsoever. Absolutely. Oh, hang on, hang on. What have we got here? Uh, thank you from Mark. There's been a couple of thank yous in the system. So uh, uh, just uh, just before we close, uh, an ad, a quick ad for uh, another webinar that's coming up. Past Governor and Membership Lead Jesse Harmon is presenting our next Membership Voice webinar this coming Sunday. It's on the topic of engaging modern volunteers and uh, uh, have, having a uh, have understanding why people volunteer and uh, having a, a support group of, uh, of volunteers who may not want to join is pretty important. So that's a, a hot topic uh, uh, webinar. Jesse's going to be presenting a webinar at 10 a.m. Uh, Western Standard Time at 12 p.m. Adelaide and 1 o'clock in, in, in the East. But just before we do close, a huge thank you to Mark Huddleston for his excellent presentation tonight. So well done there, Mark. My pleasure. And thank you to all in our audience Please be back on Sunday for our uh, for Jesse's webinar because I think that's a big one too. So good night, everyone.